The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Yeah, welcome to it. We are back. You are back. Join the show. Ask your questions. You have concerns about your work life. Uh, bring it on. You got to know your workplace rights. You got to know the uh, employment laws that surround you and actually quite robust. They're on your side, but if you don't know how to use them, then they might as well not be there. Chris Justice is our guy, courtesy Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP. Want to reach out to Chris when the show is done or any other time. Yeah, that's a that's an option for you, right? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We always start off with the um, case of the day or some news. What's going on, Chris? What's happening, pal? Yeah. So off the top, I wanted to talk about a new term that's coming up. Um, before I've spoken about terms like quiet quitting and quiet hiring. Yeah. There's a new term called career cushioning. <laughs> and this is a uh, yeah, this is a workplace trend where I guess individuals, employees, will be essentially looking for another job while at the same time actively working for their current employer. And the goal, for the most part, with these employees is to soften the potential blow of being fired or being let go. And I think part of the reason why this um, term and this trend may be taking uh, effect is because of all of the mass layoffs, the mass terminations that we're hearing about in the news um, across many different industries. And so, uh, as I say, these employees, I guess, are trying to put in place some kind of a contingency plan in the event that they lose their jobs and then, you know, can hopefully minimize the amount of time that they're unemployed. And so a lot of people have been coming to me lately and asking whether or not um, their employer can punish them uh, for sort of engaging in this career cushioning, so to speak. And the, the short answer is no. You know, if your employer does find out you're actively looking for another job, they can't penalize you or punish you in, in the sense of making big changes to the terms of your employment. Now, it is, of course, possible that they're not going to be pleased. And especially so if you're looking for work while on the clock at your current employer, right. I think that's going to be more problematic, of course. But um, at the end of the day, if, if something is going to happen, if you're let go for that reason, your employer is still going to have to pay you full severance. But we'll, uh, I suppose, see as time goes on um, how much this trend continues and um, some situations that might arise as a result of it. Again, career cushioning is that new term. If you haven't heard that before, there you are. You heard it first on this show, uh, on this show tonight. And our topic: fixed term contracts. What you need to know. We'll get into a couple of these before we slide into a break. But number one: fixed term versus indefinite contracts. Break that down, brother. Yeah. So, of course, important to kind of define or, or sort of describe what they each are. And again, in today's economic climate, there are a growing number of employees who are being hired. I think pursuant to fixed terms. Uh, as opposed to your standard indefinite term contract of employment. And of course, with a fixed term contract or a fixed term uh, situation, the idea is to, uh, I guess, have the employee commit to working for a specific period of time. Uh, a lot of times I'll see fixed term contracts, maybe six months to a year. Uh, it's, it's a bit rare to find fixed terms of more than that, but there certainly are examples where employers have hired people on contracts that extend two, three, four or five years. And um, yeah, for a number of reasons, this is uh, appealing for many employers rather than, as I say, committing to the, uh, the more classic and definite term contract. Talking about uh, fixed term contract, pardon me, sorry, had a little breakdown there in the old technology. Love rain. It's good for broadcasting. Uh, talking about fixed term contracts, what you need to know. Number two is this, why employers choose fixed term contracts over the indefinite contracts. I wonder why. 
Yeah. So as I was saying, uh, these fixed term contracts uh, may seem appealing for many different employers. Um, but as far as reasons specifically why an employer might choose that over an indefinite contract, you've got situations where, you know, simply they may not be able to afford to hire someone for an indefinite period of time, uh, or maybe where the employer wishes to hire somebody for a particular project that has a specific end date, um, or um, oftentimes simply because the employer is trying in some way to avoid those typical notice or right. severance obligations that it will have to those employees thinking that by implementing a fixed term, they can greatly reduce that liability and, and maybe even get away with without paying the employee any any severance whatsoever, which, you know, for a lot of uh, situations and people is just incorrect. Yeah, that could turn around and uh, bite them in the arse pretty severely, which we're going to get to here in, uh, in a minute for sure. Chris is always here and ready to go. And here's what I'm talking about. Can I be fired before my fixed term contract has ended? What do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, so there are definitely situations where even though a fixed term contract may be set for six months or 12 months, there might be something in there that speaks to the employer's ability to end that fixed term early. And so it is certainly possible that an employee who's hired under a very specific fixed term uh, could uh, lose their job early on. But most often, if not always, there's got to be a clear term within the contract itself that would give the employer the ability to do that. And there certainly can't be a lot of indication that the intention was it would continue on and on and again for successive different contracts. So I think employers on the employer side, you need to be very careful with how you draft your contracts. And so if you're going to want to have the ability to get out of a fixed term earlier rather than have it go the full way, uh, there's going to be very precise language that, that's going to be needed because the problem becomes where you've got, let's say, an employee who's hired to a year-long fixed term. They get let go maybe within three months and the employer is saying they can do that, the contract allows for that, and they don't have to pay them much, if any, severance at all. But if the contract falls apart, um, the employer yeah. is going to be in some big trouble because now instead of maybe only having to pay an employee with three months, maybe a month or two of severance, they've now got to potentially pay the whole balance of the entire fixed term, which, you know, say after three months could be nine months of severance for a three month employee. And now these employers have sort of gotten themselves in situations where um, it's the exact opposite of what they wanted, what they tried to intend to do with this fixed term. So it, it can definitely get dicey for employers and, and there's got to be a lot of careful drafting when it comes to those contracts. We'll take a short break, a couple more points under this topic, then we'll move on to something else on the Employment Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back indeed. Join the show. We'll get back to our fixed-term contract chat here in just a bit, but the phone calls always priority. Hey, Mike, how are you, pal? Good, how are you? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, so uh, I've been working at my law, uh, at my employer for about a year now, and right before Christmas, I'd say they started doing um, a significant hiring spree, and uh, they ensured that a lot of the longtime employees, nothing was going to happen, everything was going to be okay. And shortly after the break, um, it it just uh, it seemed like there was less work coming in, less work coming in. Eventually, those guys got laid off. 
uh, I got called into the office last Thursday and I was told and, or I was asked to stay home for a day, just saying that this is something temporary. Uh, I didn't get a notice of termination or a notice of layoff. I didn't get a T4 or anything like that. Uh, I've been off ever since. And uh, I'm supposed to be getting about 44 hours a week. I'm a full-time employee and I'm wondering what I can do about that. Okay, well, thank you for that question. Um, so just so I'm clear, how long exactly have you been off by this point? Uh, I'd say about four days. Okay, and you were just told it was for one day and, and they would get in touch with you? Yeah, they would get in, and so then what happened was on Friday, they sent me a text message saying uh, that they don't have work and, it's a, and they need me to stay home. They didn't ask. They told me at that point. And then on Tuesday, the same thing. And then on Wednesday, the same thing. We don't work Monday, so it's a four-day work week. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it seems like they've just sort of put you on this unpaid leave of absence of sorts uh, without your consent. And now it's extending out four days, almost a week. Yes. And, and no indication as far as whether or not you'll ever come back or, or when. So um, definitely cause for concern. I mean, anytime an employer changes the terms of somebody's employment and no bigger term than showing up and doing the work and getting paid, um, there's going to be arguably what's called a constructive dismissal. And I, I think that this is a situation where you're going to want to maybe give us a call. Um, we can talk you through it because if your employer has in fact just stopped having you come in and put you on this sort of unpaid leave, as I mentioned, you know, you have a choice to make. You can either essentially accept what's going on and then be seen as condoning their actions, or you can take a stand and say, this is not what I signed up for this is not what I agreed to and you know I need to work I need to make a living and and it seems like as you say what they've done so far is a significant breach to the terms of your employment that's likely to continue um so I think time is of the essence in these situations I mean for sure if you want to get back to work um something can probably be worked out but if not I think your employer needs to decide um because otherwise they're going to be on the hook for for a lot of severance if this goes on any longer We good, Mike? All right. Well, that might go. Mike, you need to reach out any further and talk to Chris. Here's how you're going to go about doing that, which you probably will. one 821 5900 Emails help at employmentlawyer.ca. Just get another couple calls lined up and squared away. Get back to our fixed term chat. Um, finally, I mean, uh, tips for employees. First of all, Chris, what do you think? Yeah. So it, going back to fixed term contracts, just a couple things, um, a couple main things I think employees need to be aware of. So the first thing is that there's employment standards legislation, um, for example, in Ontario, the Employment Standards Act. And this legislation says that if somebody is under a fixed term contract, they are guaranteed to be entitled to at least some notice or severance, no matter what. As long as the um, there's three situations, I suppose, where this occurs. So where the fixed term contract actually goes beyond a year, where the employment ends before the fixed term. So we were talking about that earlier. There's there's generally some severance or some notice still out there regardless. Uh, or where the fixed term contract ends up getting extended for more than 90 days beyond its original term. So these are just three main situations where you're going to have rights for severance, even in a fixed term uh, case. At the very minimum, not to say they're your maximum entitlements, but right. at the very minimum. So that's one thing I think employees should be aware of. And then the second thing is that just because the term in your contract expires and that you're maybe no longer employed by that company anymore, 
that does not mean that you're not in, um, entitled to notice or severance pay. There's okay. a lot of situations where employees are hired under a series of fixed terms over two, three, four, five years or more. And most often the courts will look at a situation like that and just assume or, or interpret that as being a uh, contract of indefinite duration. And then you end up getting sort of treated like a regular indefinite employee and, and there kicks in your severance entitlements as well. So don't assume you're not entitled to something. And if you are in a situation like this, you'll definitely want to give us a call and take us through it. Let's get uh, Tina on the line here in our last couple minutes. Hey, uh, hey, Tina, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good. What's on your mind? Um, I have a question. If someone mm. gets hired in a pharmacy, um, does the employer have the right not to pay you for training? Uh, well, no, typically there is payment for training. Um, I don't know if you've got a contract or anything in writing of sorts that would say you are to start employment on a certain day. Um, a lot of times if somebody starts their employment, let's say March 1st, uh, there is going to be some training involved maybe over the first few days or the first week. Um, so uh, Tina, am I correct then that you have already agreed to start work with this employer as of a certain date? Um, not, well, I went in for training, so um, that's what my question was, that um, if I do get paid for training because I was told that um, not. But I have you, start. have you, sorry, Tina, have you signed any contract or anything? No, that's, I have not. No. Okay. Have you and your employer, this pharmacy, have, have you agreed on uh, a start date for your employment yet? Uh, no. Okay. So um, have you just, uh, sorry, how did the training come about? Did you apply for the job and then you got into this training mode or did something else occur? Yes. yes. Okay. And how, uh, how much trainings happened so far? Uh, ready a week. Okay. Well, I, I would definitely speak to the employer and get an understanding because it seems as though your employer has started an employment relationship with you. Um, mm -hmm. And as I say, is going through the initial training phase um, so if you're at this pharmacy training, either on-site or off-site, um, whether it's part-time hours or full-time hours, um, to me, that that constitutes work. And so I'd want to have a chat with them and maybe get a better understanding as to why they don't think they have to pay you. Um, okay. That might be the main thing. Have, have they told you specifically why they're not paying you? No, they haven't. Okay. Well, I would definitely ask what their basis is. They told me that uh, they don't pay for training. What do you know? How long the training is supposed to go on for? Given that it's already been a week. Um, assuming typically two. Yeah, you know, I standard um, protocol to uh, for training. I'm assuming based on the actual employment, but um, but I was told, like even from other friends that uh, you should be getting paid for training on a two-weeks basis. Yeah, no, as I say, to me, it sounds like you're entitled to some compensation, but it might involve a bit more fleshing out to get a better understanding of what the pharmacy's intentions are and what your intentions are. But I would say that if um, you're not agreeable to this going on any further and you're looking for pay at the very least, then, of course, you need to make your voice heard and let them know. Oh, and okay. If no and, and otherwise, I'm happy to have a consultation or happy to have you call into our firm and we can talk uh, with it uh, with it a bit with you a bit more about it. Okay, thank you very much. 
Thanks, Thanks for Tina. Me. Appreciate uh, appreciate your time. And here's how you're going to reach out to Chris. You're going to call him one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We still got a couple minutes. You got a phone? Uh, make it happen. Get some answers. Get some satisfaction. Chris will take your calls for sure. And we're going to wrap up talking about fixed term contracts. Uh, tips for employees. We covered that. How about the other side of the table? How about the employers? What should they be looking out for? Yeah, so I mentioned this earlier, when it comes to fixed term contracts, employers need to make sure they use very clear and unequivocal language in the contract. Because as I was saying before, um, especially when it comes to the idea of an earlier termination, the the clause needs to be drafted and phrased in a very specific way. Um, And also, as I said before, if that doesn't happen, then employers could be on the hook for two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times more severance than if they had just hired the employee on a, in a definite duration. And, and for that reason also, employers, I think, need to be very mindful if fixed terms are really the best bet for them because there are um, quite a few pitfalls with them and you can essentially achieve the same thing with an indefinite hire contract provided, again, it's drafted um, properly. So that's for sure one thing. Um, but I think if you are going to go with the fixed term, uh, you just need to be clear in terms of uh, what happens in the event the employee's employment is yeah. terminated, uh, whether or not the employee would have any duty to look for work after they're terminated uh, to mitigate their damages, um, and also uh, any other, I guess, expectations or, or intentions the employer has need to be very clearly stated within the contract. You got it. Let's move on down to uh, to here, pal. Mass termination slash layoffs and employee rights. Huge topic, especially in the last uh, few weeks, for sure. What is a mass termination layoff? I mean, people probably have a f- fairly good sense of it now because of the news, but uh, give, me a, give me a bit of a breakdown. Yeah, for sure. So in Ontario, anyways, employers owe non-unionized workers more severance pay if they are let go, these workers, that is, as part of a mass layoff. And essentially a mass layoff or a mass termination, that occurs when 50 or more employees are let go at the same workplace within Mm. four weeks. And again, again, I'm talking from Ontario standards uh, specifically. So if this happens, 50 or more employees let go within four weeks, the workers' minimum severance entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, which is the legislation in Ontario, as I say, are going to be higher compared to the minimum rights uh, that they would have in, say, an ordinary termination where, you know, less than 50 employers are being let go within that period of time. So you're saying pretty much as far as what I'm entitled to during that mass layoff could be more? Can a city use a severance calculator? Does that come into play? Yeah. So so these entitlements when it comes to mass terminations or mass layoffs, um, they're primarily with respect to the bare minimums under the legislation. Um, so employees will need to know that if they are part of a mass group like this, uh, as I say, they are going to be guaranteed a minimum amount of notice that is likely higher than they otherwise would, but their maximum potential entitlements are are still going to be much greater. And so certainly not to say that this is all you would get. So if you are an employee who's let go as part of a mass layoff or a mass termination, um, you know, using the severance calculator and factoring in things like your age and your length of service and position and the availability of other work, um, there is still very much the potential that some, especially a long-term service employee could get as much as 24 months uh, of severance, despite these bare minimums that I'm talking about. And that notice, uh, that working notice uh, affecting severance pay in the same way? Break that down. Yeah. So, and this applies actually when it comes to mass layoffs or terminations or, 
you know, terminations on a smaller scale. Right. A lot of times when somebody is um, informed that their employment's coming to an end, uh, they're given notice ahead of time. So their employer may say, you know, we're going to let you go eight weeks from now, or maybe four weeks from now, or 12 weeks from now. And at that time, you know, either the employer may or may not provide an additional severance payment afterwards. And a lot of people come to me and say, you know, Chris, do do they get credit? Does the employer get credit for giving me notice? Does that sort of count towards my severance package? Like maybe the severance calculator says they're owed 16 months and their employer gives them four months of notice. Um, the answer to that is yes, it does get credited towards the employer for the most part. Um, not not in some situations, but for the most part. So um, you got to look at sort of a combination then of both the notice given uh, and as well severance on top of that. And as I say, it applies in the context of mass terminations or, or otherwise. What happens if we've heard this before? What if my employers, are, and they're not going bankrupt, but they're, they're, they're crying the blues a little bit. They're in a tough financial situation. So they're kind of, they're stagnating on their, uh, their severance uh, entitlements. How does that work? Yeah. So unless the employer is in a situation where it's asserting bankruptcy and it's going through those sorts of proceedings and there is no money and they're in massive amounts of debt. And it's, as I say, a really grave situation like that. An employer cannot otherwise reduce your severance entitlements, reduce what you're owed by law if they're simply going through or experiencing some financial challenges. And in actuality, uh, during tougher economic conditions where this might be more likely to be the case, it, it actually is going to be harder for an employee to find new employment, right? Um, right. Especially if their industry is hit specifically hard. And, and that could then result in the employer itself, even though it is going through these financial struggles, having to pay the employee more severance than wow. typically would be the case. And there have even been cases more recently when it comes to COVID uh, and the pandemic that um, you know, judges have added on a month or two or three um, as a result of these tef, uh, tough economic conditions, um, more so than what the employee would have got severance-wise otherwise. So um, employers need to definitely understand that. And as I say, barring very extreme situations, um, it, it doesn't really affect the severance entitlements as far as negatively and in fact could, could increase them. Get a quick email to wrap up here uh, in a minute. Melissa says, guys, I signed my severance offer because my employer told me that if I didn't, I wouldn't get anything. I just used your severance calculator and it says I'm owed another 35 grand. What can I do? Yeah, give us a call ASAP. Um, obviously, I tell people all the time um, before you sign anything, whether it's a contract, whether it's something regarding your termination or severance pay, to speak with a lawyer first. Because yeah. signing something like that could potentially um, release the employer from any obligations it owes to you. And then aside from it having to pay what it maybe have agreed with you on or, or what the bare minimum say you're owed, it can be a very uphill battle. Um, having said that, if somebody is sort of under pressure or under duress and, and is forced in a way to sign a contract or, or some sort of release and they don't really have much time to think about it, then that could be a very good argument, even though a contract or a release has been signed, to have that signature essentially set aside. And so um, definitely, as I say, you want to get in touch with us um, so that we can get on it and minimize the damage and kind of get you back on track. Because in that certain situation you mentioned, John, um, there is a good chance that that was under duress and the, uh, the signed gotcha. release can be cast aside. 
Thanks, Melissa. We are done for the night. Appreciate all your uh, correspondence through phones as well. Reach out to Chris now. It's uh, it's easy. one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. Welcome to the Employment Law Show. Take care. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.